Welcome to the Bellis Ad Bellum Podcast, the podcast for military-connected women, bringing messages of encouragement, humor, and practical how-to on topics that impact their lives most, equipping them to lead in the service and in the home with grace and wisdom. We care deeply about sharing accurate, timely, and relevant information with our listeners, but neither we nor our guests have a monopoly on truth and everyone's military experience is unique. The views expressed in any of our content, written or audio, do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, policy, or view. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is the Bellis Ad Bellum podcast. I'm Julie. And I'm Bernadette. And we have not been on for... Months. Forever. Like Forever. almost a year. <laughs> I think it's been a year. It feels like a year. It's It feels like five years considering all the stuff that has happened. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, that's that's very true. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and answer that. The big question that I would have if I were a listener about the podcast. Uh, I, what? My big question if I was a listener would be, what were you guys for Halloween? Oh. I but no, what was the real question? even remember what it was for Halloween. That's how long ago that was. Uh, right. The real question, maybe, maybe the real question is, what happened? Where did we go? We posted an episode in May of yeah. 2019. And here we are. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up on almost 12 months later. So for almost a year, nothing. What happened to us? Did we just quit? Uh, I will go ahead and answer. Well, obviously we didn't just quit because no, we didn't. Hopefully we will publish this. <laughs> we um, thought about a lot of podcasts. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I certainly did think about a we, lot of podcasts. We did work, keep working on the podcast. We just didn't record any podcasts. That's true. Um, so I will go ahead and answer for my yeah, part. Yes. So what happened for you? Yes. Uh, in early 2019, my husband got the orders that we were anticipating for an overseas PCS. I think we may have mentioned it casually a couple times in previous episodes. Uh, and so January through May are usually my busiest work days for my reserve requirements because of when my reserve year ends. So I went back to almost full-time work for most of the spring, which was simultaneous to um, preparing our family for the very heavy lift of an overseas PCS. And along with that major muscle movement, we were uh, getting our home ready to list and then sell. And then over the summer, we had a TDY en route during our PCS. So we spent about six weeks hopping from TLF to TLF. and Which was amazing. It really was. <laughs> you came here and we visited. I, we, yes. And, and we didn't you record a podcast. <laughs> we were in the same city. And we, we were even in the same house. We did not record a podcast. That's yeah, crazy. We failed. We failed our listeners. <sighs> uh, so we were living out of suitcases and we were just upending every routine. Almost all predictability was thrown out the, the window every week. Um, and then we finally arrived at our new location in September. So like from January, from May, when we published our episode all the way through September, I was just all like, I don't know, like I, some mornings I woke up and I was not sure what state I was in that day. <laughs> Yeah, physically and mentally, right? <laughs> right. I meant physically, but yes, no, that's also a very mentally good point. As well. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, and of course, you know, we all know PCSing can last months. It's not just, you know, like the, the actual moving and then waiting for your household goods, but then when you finally do it, get everything and you're settling in, it, it takes a while to settle in. Um, and I had heard from some folks new to this area that Oconus PCSs. Uh, are kind of longer and more intense efforts. And it takes, everybody told me, six months to really settle in. Uh, and of course, that six months ran right into COVID and my new RR year or my new reserve year um, starting all over again. So you in said, You said COVID. I did. That makes me sad. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'll try not to <laughs> We'll anymore. get to that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so in December, kind of right in the middle of settling in, um, the tenants for both of our homes that we rent out vacated, both of them, at the same time, literally days apart. Um, and the one set we knew was coming up, the other was a total surprise. So in yeah, in my, that's kind of my other part-time job that could really be like a full-time job if I've got like a lot going on. And of course, getting old tenants out and getting new tenants in is a lot of work. And so my other part-time job of property manager 
kind of kicked into full-time work that got me all the way back into spring. So now we're coming up on a year later. And then, like I said, that's when my reserve um, requirements really ramp up because of when my deadline is for getting all of my, my days done. So I went back to work kind of part-time starting in really November, December, January, February, I was working like a couple of days each month, but then in March, April, and then going into May, I'm working like half of the month. And then on top of that very difficult childcare situation that kind of is the reality overseas, there's woo flu, school, CDC closures, quarantines. So we never really got settled. Like we, we are living in kind of a blissful state in my house right now. It's really nice. Dad is home a lot. We're spending a lot of time outside, but we know that this is not even normal for us. Uh, And before anybody gets the wrong idea that I am complaining, let me, let me just mention that this is all really good news for the podcast. In the last almost year now, I have once again, personally experienced some common military life stressors. Uh, overseas PCSing, closing on a home, sometimes long distance closing on a home, getting a home ready to sell, packing up stuff, shipping, shipping a dog. (laughs) I was going to say that. I was going to say, Julie, I have different things to share, but Julie has experienced pretty much any and every challenge you could want to podcast about for the military in the past year. Yeah, in the past year. Yeah. And we, we have talked about all of these things as future episodes. So now there is even more new experience, I should say. So yay, that's, that's like a silver lining that I'm putting in there. Uh, That's what happened to me in the last year or so. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So we did not move. Um, we did not change locations or PCS or even have any TDYs. We had a lot of, um, interesting things on the, the family kind of personal life front, um, as opposed to the professional military side, uh, about summertime frame, we had a a big family vacation. And while we were on our family vacation, we got the news that my grandmother passed away. So we had a big family death and she was a matriarch. And so that was a huge muscle movement for our family. Uh, and about you ended uh, up like kind of canceling your vacation that you had (laughs) really been and you had needed that too like I remember we were talking about you're like I just need a break from work and I'm really looking forward to this vacation to just like relax and enjoy and then you weren't able to it was great yeah it was it was uh supposed to be great and it still was great of course to see family but the of course just the mood and the context changed very mm-hmm. significantly and so it's it's just a different emotional experience when you're grieving as with family as opposed to yeah. relaxing with family so we had a big family death and then um had a situation with my mother-in-law and my husband happens oh, to be the gosh. only surviving child i uh, totally with, forgot with about that yeah, yeah. She, um, she had some, some issues with mental health and alcohol abuse. And so I could talk about that too. Uh, and is, we had to, to jump in to assist. Cause like I said, she's the only, or my husband is the only surviving child of hers and she lives alone. So we had a mother-in-law, uh, kind of crisis and our son started kindergarten, which doesn't sound like a big deal and it shouldn't be stressful, but, um, kind of some special needs that we thought were there. I really started to. Um, rear their ugly heads and cause some problems. And so we ended up um, having to work on uh, counseling, um, suspensions, different stuff with our child, uh, and trying to balance that, of course, with still two full-time working parents, me as the active duty member and my husband as a full-time contractor. So we had that. Um, And then right on the heels of that, my grandfather uh, followed my grandmother and passed away. And then about two weeks after that, a very dear cousin of mine uh, lost oh, her paddle yeah. with cancer. And so we just, we had this fall, summer to fall, all the way to Christmas, really, of just one kind of big thing after another on the personal front that just, man, it just took a huge just, yeah. toll. <laughs> and so anytime yeah. we got, yeah. we've anytime we finished our day, we were just exhausted. And we mm-hmm. were so ready for 2019 to be over. And we were so yeah. sick of it. We were so emotionally oh, exhausted. Yeah. And you were probably like so excited. Oh my gosh, woo. 2020 is we were. Be so much we were. better. We were like 2020, you can't come fast enough. And I still sort of feel that way because that yeah. was really a terrible time. But yeah, yeah. Uh, as my two year old now says, coronavirus. Oh, coronavirus. It's the coronavirus. 
<laughs> so now we have coronavirus uh, and COVID-19 and yeah. all the different names for it. But um, that is leading to, as Julie mentioned, a little bit more, I don't want to call it downtime, but less scheduled time. And yeah. so when uh, we have the flexibility to manage our own schedules and I have the flexibility to manage my own schedules and be in a house with my phone around and different stuff while I'm working, it just means that more is possible. Oh, so, yeah. And so yeah. we have decided and we're able to jump back in to the podcast. So we're going to start slow, I think, and work our way up. Yes. Yeah. And even though we have tons to talk about, we are going to do a segment episode, a right? segment episode. Yeah. Uh, so on with the episode. Something smaller, kind of just to jump back in without drowning, I think. Yeah. And uh, we'll hit a couple of the segments that we introduced in our first segments episode, which was episode eight, I think. If you want to go back and familiarize uh, yourself with the different segments that we've introduced. So today we're going to do Bell Intel, Bellosaurus Rex, a few of our favorite things. Uh, so for our first segment, we're going to start with some Bell Intel. And this can be kind of a tricky segment because one of the best aspects of podcasts is the ability to listen to a podcast episode years after it's been recorded. But that aspect kind of works against time-sensitive current event information. Yeah. So it's tough to find current events that are military-connected um, for military-connected ladies, and they may want to know about, but those are kind of standing topics rather than rapidly perishable. Also, big foot stomp for me, we're not news reporters. <laughs> we just don't have that kind of turnover rate, obviously. Um, so we need to make sure that we're focusing on the why and the so what, and we're making sure that we're extracting from a current event something that is important and relevant for our listeners, um, and we're getting that bottom line to you. So that's why as easy it would, as it would be right now, we're not going to talk about COVID-19 or coronavirus or Wuhan Yay. flu or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, we're just not, who knows three how cheers, long. Three cheers from the <laughs> listeners. If you're in your car, you're listening <laughs> to cheer. Like, and you're like nope. done nope. with hearing about it. Yep. Uh, you know, I don't think my kids even know what it's called. We just, we it's hard it to predict. We learned it at the oh. pool because we went to the pool yesterday and yeah. it was closed. And Kaylin was, my, Kaylin was just distraught. Oh. And I had to give her something. So I said, it's because of the coronavirus. Now she thinks coronavirus <laughs> is evil. Like the yeah. worst thing that has ever <laughs> sure. happened to her. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. But sorry. we're not going to talk about that. Uh, we are going to talk about something that is probably impacted by that and will have consequences for military families. But it's critically important to military, military families normally, not just in these extraordinary times. And that is moving and moving companies, and moving contracts, and packers, that whole subject. Ooh. So, yeah, right? I, I don't know if I'm familiar with this intel. Let's hear it. I think the vast majority of us have had one or more negative experiences with movers contracted through the military. Bernadette, raise hands, show hands. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have. Yeah. I don't want to So we won't go it. in. Yeah, right. Exactly. We won't go into the pro-con list. It's a dark place that does not need to be Is it right? And you just want to <laughs> move on. <laughs> we'll talk about maybe some of the pro-cons of moving yourself versus having a contractor move you, um, maybe in a future episode about household goods. But that's future. Uh, in this particular segment, we're going to talk about very specifically the contractors that move you. Um, in a late January article, the Federal News Network reported that U.S. Transcom plans to award a new contract for moving militaries in April of this year. So that should be any day now. This month, yeah. So that contract that U.S. Transcom oversees is called the Global Household Goods Contract, or GHC. It is a multi-billion dollar contract that provides moving and shipping logistics for moving the household goods of DOD personnel, who, by the way, account for 15% of the U.S.'s domestic and international moves. Uh, that seems like a low percentage if you don't keep in mind what percentage of the U.S. population DOD members are, and it's not 15%. So we are a disproportionate, right, yeah, disproportionate part of, of moving. So according to the article, and I'm going to quote it, Right now, 
Those duties fall to 42 separate government-managed shipping offices, each of which hires moving companies on a one-off basis each time a service member requires, I'm sorry, receives permanent change of station or PCS orders. Transcom said that decentralized system is fundamentally flawed. Uh, That's the end of the quote. Um, But they go on to elaborate that mainly it's flawed because it doesn't allow for long-term contracting relationships between the, the general contractor and the movers. And that gives the government uh, fewer ways to hold the subcontractors and the general contractor accountable for poor performance. The new GHC would be awarded to one single contractor who would then be responsible for subcontracting as necessary. That sounds like a good thing, but the moving industry for its part has some concerns and their testimony to Congress on this subject actually prompted Congress to put some requirements on Transcom before they awarded the contract. So one of the critiques that has been leveled against this idea is that, uh, and this is just kind of from my perspective as I was trying to see, you know, the moving industry's viewpoint, who holds and manages the contract and how they manage that won't change some of the underlying difficulties of moving military members. Specifically, that an estimated 40% of PCSs occur during three months of the year, June, July, and August. And unfortunately, those are popular times for a lot of other occupations to move because obviously it's tied to the school calendar. Uh, Another issue the moving industry says a new contract won't fix is the supply problem. So in addition to having a huge increase in demand during June, July, and August, There just isn't enough supply normally to meet demand. That's why your household goods sat inside a trailer in a parking lot in Louisiana while the contractor tried to find somebody who would drive it north to South Canada. And you were like, I have a house. What's the holdup? You have the truck. You just drive it. But they didn't have enough people. (laughs) Didn't have enough people. So... Um, I think we can quickly get into a discussion of violent agreement about the flaws of the military moving process, and I'm sure everyone has horror stories. But I keyed in on this report because we have a tendency to think that change is a good thing. You know, we've kind of been programmed to to think change is a good thing, uh, and anything has to be better than the totally broken old way. But I was challenged as I read this article to think about foundational assumptions and facts that Transcom has little control over. It's really easy to point the finger and blame when your, you know, household goods have been damaged or you've been waiting two weeks past delivery date or something like that. So I encourage listeners to go read the full article. We dropped the link in the show notes um, because there's even more to the issue than what I've talked about here. Maybe a new contractor will fix that. Maybe not. We'll find out. The contract, like I said, was supposed to be awarded in April. I'm not sure how current staggered work schedules and minimum manning impacts that award date. But of course, (laughs) PCSs have been put on hold for a while. So this summer move cycle could be one of the most horrendous operations to manage for a brand new contractor. The, The intent for Transcom Uh, They had wanted to get a new contractor in place prior to all of the summer moves starting, but summer moves got delayed. Maybe the contract award got delayed. So maybe that's not going to happen at all. If you were brand new as the contractor and you walked into this PCS season where you have just as many people to move in an even shorter period of time because they're already overdue by, you know, two months, it could be awful. So I was talking earlier about the bottom line or the so what, and so I wanted listeners to think about as they listen to this segment, what aspects of your move can you control that may set you up for a better move experience in light of some of those numbers that we reported, like 40% of DOD moves occur during those three months because of the school year. If you can get outside of those three months, June, July, August, if you can Uh, Maybe have a parent stay behind with a kid who is finishing up their year at school and then they PCS a little bit later, but um, really the bulk of the household goods go ahead in, say, April or May. 
or if you can show up a little bit late for the school year, or again, have the bulk of the household goods show up late and just have the school attendee move separately from the household goods. If there are things that you can control to get you out of those really hectic three months. Jump on it, ladies. Yeah. That's what we're saying. That's, yeah, that's what we see. Maybe that's already advice we kind of know, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was not something that I thought about earlier. Uh, And then remember again that DOD members account for 15% of the U.S.'s uh, moving industry, the the business of the moving industry inside the U.S., their business is 15% DOD members. So the so what from that is that if you are making maybe a shorter move or you're still young and have a small household or you're still perfectly healthy and you don't mind heavy lifting... Consider moving yourself. Your stuff goes with you. If it gets broken, you really only have yourself to blame. And <laughs> Which you may know, or may not be any consolation. Yeah, may not be. Um, but, you know, nobody is going to treat your stuff as well as you will. Anyway, getting a little off topic. But, you know, those are a couple of things that you might be able to do to get yourself out of that really awful PCS grind that most people get stuck in. Um, and hopefully we will hear about a new contractor and hopefully it will be a good change, but we will wait and see. Yeah, for sure. All right. So launching into Bellasaurus Rex, which is our favorite title. Bellasaurus Rex. (laughs) So, uh, it's random. It's not exactly contemporary, but, uh, maybe it's a little bit more like women's history month, but it's not, this is not (laughs) women's history month. This is not women's history month. This is not Women's History Month. I know that. Um, but I, I, I ran across this and I just I totally love it. Um, I wanted to highlight uh, this gal named Susan uh, Kerr. She's like a totally little known artist and graphic designer uh, who pioneered the user interface for the original Apple computers, huh. which is like so awesome. You'd never heard of her, but Susan Kerr. Anyway, she was hired by Steve Jobs to make the Mac like less computer and less machine and more of like a friend. So when you that interface with Apple. that, you know, when you log into your, when you logged into that Mac, it wasn't like I'm pushing a button to boot or I'm clicking this thing to boot. You want it, They wanted it to be friendly. They wanted it to be inviting. Uh, and like so crazy that the technical people actually thought about that because you would, <laughs> you would think, yeah. huh. but they had um, marketing folks and they had what, you know, they had a team of folks yeah. who said, no, we need to make this friendly. And so they hired this gal. Um, who was working on some random sculpture. I think she was making like a giant life-size sculpture of <laughs> welding. It was She was welding a lot of stuff. Anyway, she came in uh, and basically started with a computer function or whatever and then searched through lore and history and her used her artist's, you know, mind's eye to design a middle a visual metaphor for that function. And so she did typefaces and fonts and icons and the ones that you pr- still, some you probably remember. I don't know if... Well, maybe not. Maybe our listeners are now too young for this. But uh, <laughs> there was like the cherry bomb when you had a system error, right? It was the oh. little bomb with the little fuse on the end that yeah. was sparking it. That was Susan Kerr. She designed that. Um, and so rather than saying like blue screen of death, which we get now, right? It had like an error, yeah. right? It had the cherry bomb. Or the smiling computer when it was startup. It was like the little box and it had a smile in it. Uh, she designed that, right? Because it, it was to make that again, the user experience friendly and, and you know, understandable and, and easily di- uh, digested. So uh, all those things were her work. Um, even the command logo that's still in mm-hmm. use on your, um, on a Mac, Mac keyboard, it looks kind of like a swirly plus. Oh, that's not a plus. <sighs> I don't even know how to describe it. But anyways, it's got three corners. Oh, you know what it is? It's the, on the freeway, right? When you have those entrances to the freeway. Uh, yeah. You have like the. Cloverleaf. Yeah, that's what it is. The clover leaf. <laughs> this is the swirly clover leaf. She designed that. And so the command logo was her original invention. So Susan Kerr. And we're, uh, I think, all very glad that her life-sized welding of a hog, I think it was, was that product did, did not <laughs> prevent her from taking that job with Apple. Uh, because we now have tons and tons of, of icons and really cool things that Susan Kerr brought to life. So I thought she was a pretty bad mamma jamma Bellasaurus Rexdine. Yeah. Anyhow. Cool. Huh. Do you have one? Yeah. Yeah. Mine is not about, I guess you would call that art. Not about no. art. No. Mine is about sports, uh, which 
all of our previous Bellasaurus Rex episodes have been about. But well, there are a lot of roaring dinosaur women <laughs> who are doing awesome things in sports. I, I think it is appropriate. Uh, this is very specifically about a military lady. So that's new and special interest for Bernadette and I, a military gal, uh, military gal repping our alma mater. Mm -hmm. um, Neither Bernadette or I know this young lady personally, but I would love to if she wants to email me after this. <laughs> but this story, <laughs> she not creepy. Might, Julie might be sending her something to autograph. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, second Lieutenant Lindy Jones, an Air Force officer who is part of the Air Force World Class Athlete Program, or WCAP. I wonder if they call it WCAP. And I just, like, I'm not a part of the program, so I don't know that cool lingo. Yeah, yeah I think they do. Okay, so. WCAP. Uh, WCAP. She oh, they is... might not. I, have, I actually have no <laughs> I'm not a world-class athlete, so I couldn't tell you what they call it. Uh, I'm a member That's... of the L, LCAP. <laughs> the lowest class athlete program. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, all right, go ahead. So Lindy is a marathoner on the uh, world-class athlete program, and she is hoping to qualify for the 2020 Summer Olympics, or maybe they will be the Fall Olympics. I'm not sure. We don't know. We'll see. Anyway, she is a 2017 Air Force Academy graduate, and she ran cross-country and track at the Academy, not the marathon cross-country and track at the academy. Post-graduation, she commissioned as an Air Force maintenance officer, but recently, after she applied for the athlete program and got accepted, she has been training in Colorado Springs with the intent of qualifying for the Olympics at the marathon time trials. Which is wicked fast, by the way. People it is. who qualify for the Olympics and marathons, they run it's 26 miles obscene. faster than I run one. So what's most remarkable about Lieutenant Jones is that though she never competed in marathons while she was at the academy, in her marathon debut, just make sure we're first all on the same first time. first time, first time running a marathon competitively. Not to say that she had never run 26.2 miles on her own before, but like in a, in a competitive event, the first time ever that she went out to compete for a marathon, she ran an Olympic qualifying time. Just for reference. I love running marathons in a twisted, kind of not normal love-hate <laughs> kind of way. Yeah, and I've been doing strange. marathons, yeah, I know, <laughs> since I was a lieutenant also. My first marathon was my best time. I've only gotten slower since then. <laughs> and at the age of 25, when I was in my quote-unquote marathon prime, I was probably twice as slow as Miss Lindy. Lieutenant Jones' first ever competitive Olympic event time was, prepare yourself, everybody, two hours and 36 minutes. Which, for a marathon or a half? No, for a marathon, right? Two hours and 36 minutes is about my half marathon time. She did 26.2 oh miles gosh. in two hours and 36 minutes. That is, just for a miles per hour kind of thing, that is a sub-six minute mile which sure we could all do that if we only had to do like a half mile but to do a oh sub six Lord. minute mile for 26 miles in a row that's ridiculous some things just aren't fair in this world <laughs> i'm trying to put that time in perspective to something that's like reasonable right <laughs> it's just sometimes not. my kids take a two and a half hour nap <laughs> right and so in a two and a half hour nap she ran 26 that miles. That wicked bad mamma jamma ran 26 miles, like a 26-mile loop. Started at my house and came back. and was like, hey, kids. <laughs> that is crazy. Crazy, Lindy. You're amazing. You know what is really neat about reading the story, which we will link in the show notes, obviously, is not just that she's like incredibly athletically gifted and is doing this on top of being an Air Force officer. Uh, she has so many other neat elements in her story, so many cool things going on in her life. Uh, for example, she is one of six siblings, and they are all six world-class academy athletes. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, my brothers are really good runners, but they are, they're not oh, qualifying for the Olympics. Don't worry, guys. We love you still. We do, yes. <laughs> you are doing important work. 
Um, Run fast. Also, Lindy's dad recently passed away, but he was able to attend Lieutenant Jones's event in Chicago to see her run her qualifying time. And she talks about her dad and her faith as motivation for training so well. She is married to another Air Force officer, so they're doing the joint mill separate duty stations thing, and she is lovely. I love her official marathon picture. It is very Bellasaurus Rex. You need to go to the Runner's World article that we link in the show notes and look at her professional marathon picture because she looks like she's killing it with grace. She is. And so it's it's a Bellasaurus Rex to be proud of, like breathing fire, but like totally humble and classy. So yeah, yeah. Props to her. Hey, um, Bernadette, tell me about a favorite thing. These are a few. I'm way off key. I can't sing that right now. You were no. I can whistle it. So we've been doing. I'll put this. You know what? This could be one of my favorite things. Actually, we'll leave it. Just leave this right in there. So uh, a game that I've been playing with my children, and it it has basically a hundred percent success rate on making them be quiet, is the name that tune whistle edition, and or oh, hum gosh. or hum if you can't whistle. And so I will just in the middle of a fight or whatever they're doing, I'll just start whistling some tune, and then one of them has to tell me what it is, right? And so it's like whatever. I'm not going to do it here. Um, but uh, needless to say, then once it started, they just asked me to do another one and another one and another one. And we do it for like oh, gosh. 15, 20 minutes, which can be exhausting. But it does stop all the, the squabbling. <laughs> so that's amazing. So if you get bored in your quarantine hours and your kids are fighting and you're squabbling and you actually you can whistle or you can hum and they like music, consider it. Consider intervening with a whistle and, uh, and asking them to guess what tune you're playing. And it may or may not work for you, but I found it to be... Uh, tiring but wonderfully useful okay so (laughs) that is one of my favorite quarantine things uh but in the in the vein of um in the vein of kids uh one of my favorite things is and i actually got this idea from one of our uh friends one of our good friends vivian Hmm. Uh, uh, oh yeah that's right she did this first because she was the first of us to have kids she yep she was our first first friend to have a child um yeah, I say our first friend to have a child. We have many friends, but the first of our real tight group of of gals who went to the academy together to have um, a kiddo. And so she set up an email account for her son. And so I've done the same thing and basically setting up yep, a, a Gmail or uh, whatever we do Gmail because I think it's going to be around forever. But uh, you can set up any kind of email you might be subscribed to and just set up an email account um, for your child. Uh, obviously, you'll have to have the username and password, uh, set up an email account for your child, and then just email them, you know, different things in different ways. And so you can adapt it to your style. I happen to use it to record uh, milestones to to send my son, uh, my daughter, little messages every now and then. Uh, while we're doing this coronavirus thing, uh, I've actually sent them kind of part one and part two of, you know, here's Hey, we're into history. You know, here's a little bit about what was going on in the world coronavirus part one, right? And then here's kind of two, three weeks later, here's coronavirus part two. And I'm sure, you know, in three weeks, there'll be coronavirus part three. And so I'll just uh, email them a little bit about that. But, um, you know, I sent I sent Liam uh, an email and his dad did too uh, the night before his sister was born, right? And so mm. um, we've done some some different ones that are more kind of around milestones. And as they get older, I would kind of want to incorporate into that another one of my favorite things that was from a lieutenant colonel I worked with uh, when I was in the Center for Character and Leadership Development, and he did uh, what was called the night before letters. And so anytime one of his children was about to have kind of a big event or a big milestone, he would write them a letter the night before. Uh, And it was he did it by hand, uh, but that was a little bit that's a little bit laborious for me. Um, I'm, mm. <laughs> I'm just, I love that idea. And if you can do a night before a letter, an actual physical letter and put it in a binder or something special and save it for your children, uh, or even give it to them, you know, the, the next day or whatever you want to do, I think that's awesome. But this happens to just work for me. And so, uh, we will do that as they get a little bit older the day before, you know, he starts a different school the night before, um, you know, prom the night before a big soccer game the night before, 
I don't know. I mean, everybody's kids have different stuff. A big competition, you know, whatever. But, you know, another new child, a new first date. event, you know, something sad the night before, you know, a funeral. And it was just a different night before letters. Uh, and then, you know, eventually to the point where maybe it would be the night before their wedding day or their night before Ugh. whatever, right? And so I don't want to think about those things yet. But I'm tearing up. We're moving <laughs> but, but I love the letters. And so they they just become kind of a, a little treasure trove for your child. And as an email system, it's digital, it's accessible on your phone. Uh, you can write one or I can write one, you know, when I'm in the waiting room. I've written one when I my network went down when I was <laughs> in Colorado, when I was basically sitting around with nothing to do on my phone. I thought, you know what, I'm gonna write my kid a little letter, right? And I just sent him a little mm -hmm. note about what was going on. So email accounts for kids. If you can't manage the standard written baby book, love it. One of my favorite mm -hmm. things. Yeah, that's a good one. I've done that too. I, when I created my kids' email accounts, I spent a lot of time creating an email address that I thought was likely to be useful for them into the future as adults um, and was not embarrassing, <laughs> you know, something, something that uh, did not reveal personal information, um, you know, didn't have like their first name dot their last name, you know, something that was, that was professional um, and not in not incredibly private, uh, not embarrassing, uh, so they could hopefully keep it. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. You know, yeah, yeah. log into it years later and be like, "Oh my gosh, my mom was so weird." <laughs> they might still do that. They might still say that, but it won't be about email addresses. Yep. So mine will definitely think that I'm weird, but not about this. <laughs> yeah, not about that. No. Playground friendly. I'm gonna do a favorite thing about other podcasts. Uh, the house that we live in here is about 30 minutes from where we do just about everything, just about everything, you know, meetings, work, grocery shopping, all of that. It's about 30 minutes. So it's a hour commute, all round trip. And then of course, if I have to take the kids to a childcare provider before I go to work, then it can, you know, it really drags into a long commute. Uh, most people have long commutes. I'm not complaining. Um, rare is the day of a 15 minute commute. When you are commuting with a child or multiple children in the back of your car, especially in the morning, and I just need to not hear 3,000 toddler questions in a row. I just need something <laughs> to distract them. Even. Yeah, just need something to distract them. But I don't want to just, you know, turn on the screen and, and have them zone out to... It, there's, you know, some good TV shows out there for kids, but I... Name that tune, Whistle Edition. Yeah, that's... Just saying. A, I can't whistle, though. <laughs> not an option for me. So. I'm just kidding. Carry on. Uh, so podcasts are great. Obviously podcasts are great. We love podcasts. Yay. This one is our favorite. This, this particular one that we do is our personal favorite, but if I'm being totally forthcoming, my kids don't really like my podcast as much as I do. Probably they don't like hearing my voice any more than they already do. So I can't play my podcast. In fact, I can't play most of my podcasts that are my favorites. You know, like some of my my personal finance podcasts are not geared <laughs> for toddler engagement. So you have to find a podcast that will engage your kids, but does not blow up your own mind, does not drive you insane, right? Because there is a very small, in the Venn diagram of things that entertain adults and things that entertain children, that overlapping circle area is very small right. in this Pixar. Venn diagram. Pixar is in the middle Pixar. and that's kind of it. Not all Pixar even, only some <laughs> Pixar True. apparently. I'm talking about a very small Venn diagram overlap for podcasts. And the one that we found that we love is called But Why? The Podcast for Curious Kids. And it's published by Vermont Public Radio. Most of the episodes kind of group together a bunch of uh, similarly themed questions from kid listeners, and they will interview one or more experts on that general topic. So, for example, dogs, a whole bunch of questions about dogs. They have a cat episode, a whole bunch of questions about cats, uh, questions about hearts, a whole bunch of questions about 
spiders, arachnids, arthropods, insects generally. And I love a lot of these episodes. And what I love too is that it's not just like me zoning out and the kids zoning out. We still have some interaction back and forth, but it's not that really intense 3000 toddler questions interaction. It's it's more focused. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Exactly. I was having trouble trying to figure out like what was so good about it, but yeah. So we've picked up this podcast as well. I know that it's supposed to be a kid podcast. I will confess I've listened to it without my children. Yes. Yes. So I will find that I will they lay did, in bed. They did one about coronavirus and the yes, science of soap. And I, I learned haven't... about soap things. I didn't know about soap. It was so cool. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I, if, if I have listened to a podcast from But Why that day, I usually will fall asleep talking about, oh, let me tell you about this really cool thing I learned about on the But Why podcast today. Did you know that blah, 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 blah? <laughs> uh, and it's, it's crazy that a podcast for kids, I usually take away at least one new piece of very useful information. Not like that random, you're never going to use this information, but like, wow, this, I feel like this is something I should have learned a long time ago information. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I think we might actually have to, to maybe rename it kind of just amongst ourselves, like the, but why, you know, but why the podcast for exhausted moms, and, <laughs> <Yes>. like, <laughs> and sciencey, and sciencey <laughs> listeners, and sciencey adult <laughs> listeners. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I also love that even though I have answered a lot of these same questions uh, from my kids, when my kids hear the podcast host, and the guest expert answer the question, it always validates what I said. And then I stop hearing the question. Sometimes, you know, you get that question like five times in a row and you're like, baby, I, I already gave you this answer. Do you not believe me? And yeah, I think, I think they actually don't believe me. But then they hear the But Why podcast say it. And now suddenly, oh, mom was right. <laughs> nice. Nice. That doesn't, that part has not happened yet, but I, oh. uh, I'm holding my breath for it. Okay. I'm waiting well. for, Liam, for Liam to fall in line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe so I'm not holding my breath for that. Uh, so that's one of my new favorite things, the yep. But Why podcast for curious kids. And if you're a mom who has to spend a little bit of time in the car with kids, I highly recommend it. Or a grandma or someone even doing babysitting. Even if you're just looking after Oof. kids or your childcare yeah. provider anything throw this thing on just, even yeah. if you're not even in the car and you have your ipad up yeah. yeah yeah love it love it love it all right ask us anything so uh a while back a long while back because we've been out of this for a while uh one of our listeners asked a question about new job advice and i'll quote the actual question it went like this uh, quote I remember as lieutenant, the standard, you know, quote unquote, new job advice was first to find a senior enlisted person to guide you. And second, to tell your boss you plan to make a career and stay in for 20. Otherwise, they'll put you at the bottom of the rack and stack. Over the years, I found that at least half of that advice is total BS. Do you have any fresh new job advice to offer? And does it change depending on the audience, i.e. a baby lieutenant versus a mid-career person like myself? End quote. So that was the question. I'm going to caveat it first by saying we, that my answer to this is the question itself is kind of directed at officers and my response is going to be directed at officers and I am going to offer my thoughts. Uh, I do have one piece of advice. Uh, the old <laughs> advice, to, <laughs> the old advice to find a senior enlisted person to guide you, it that may still have some merit. Uh, it certainly depends entirely on your job yes. and entirely on the enlisted member. The actual right? enlisted member. Like if the only senior enlisted member in your organization is not well-respected, is not knowledgeable, is not somebody to model yourself off after, then by all means, don't seek out that senior enlisted member, even if that's the person that's in your organization. Still maybe go find a senior enlisted member, but... Don't limit yourself to your organization because some senior NCOs, they're not, they're not all made of the same material. Yep. I mean, it's, it's any, any rank, any 
grade any whatever in the military, right? You got to kind of pick and choose who you might want to have um, be your mentor. And so it, it is part of the senior NCO role, you know, per the Brown book, little known fact, or maybe it's a well-known fact. I don't know. I didn't know it until just recently. Uh, but it is part of the NCO role or the senior NCO role per that book to mentor the junior officer corps. They are supposed to mentor the CGO. So that is part of their job description. Now, I think my mentor, my enlisted mentor, when I was a brand new second lieutenant was actually a staff sergeant. And he was fantastic. Yeah. So, and then the yeah. civilian that I worked with was actually a reservist in his other job. And he was a tech sergeant. So he was kind of, you know, getting up there. But those, uh, it, it didn't have to do with their authority or position. It had everything to do with, they knew what they were talking about. Yeah. So you definitely want to be open to mentorship and coaching from the senior NCOs or just NCOs in general, right? Um, or really anyone who may have experience in the domain where you're you're working. Mm. But it's important to remember, right, that time in service or time on station can, I think, you know, certainly lead people to become entrenched. Not that we've experienced that. <laughs> it, they can be super entrenched in how business is done. And when that happens, uh, the len- the mentorship may, in fact, limit possibilities rather than necessarily breed your success as a new officer. So a fresh piece of advice I would give uh, and I'd really give it to anybody who's starting a new job at all levels uh, and all ranks, you know, regardless of whether you're a lieutenant all the way up to mid-grade, is to dig up the regs and the guidance associated with your position. Now, this is probably going to be an unpopular bit of advice. I understand it, <laughs> and I'm saying it knowing that. But I've found it to be totally valid. Uh, the guidance is there, I promise. Uh, there are regs. There are policies. There are things out there that are related to your position, that are related to the duties that you have to do. Uh, find them. Read them. Uh, then read the references to those references. Um, certainly ask the blue hairs uh, in your organization, in your unit, how to accomplish business. It's totally normal OJT. However, also read the regulations. And I'm not saying that because I'm a compliance-minded person that I just told you, have to know the letter of the law and abide by the law. Not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm saying that is where there is tons of corporate knowledge poured Mm -hmm. into those policies and poured into the regulations to establish a starting place. And so just like your senior NCOs, right, you might discover that some of them uh, need work and are limiting. Just like your senior NCO mentors, right? Which you can address. Uh, but you will also, you know, find that some of them might be very, very useful and might provide information and guidance and uh, details and, and steps for how to get things done when you were perhaps just floundering in what you didn't know. And so, so that's, that's, I would say, has served me so well. And again, I'll reiterate, I am not a reg compliance minded person, nor do I have any real love for policy. However, (laughs) it certainly is a great piece of fresh job advice when I'm starting out any place to get into the regs, to get into the policies that people are following and and building their stuff on and then building those position descriptions, all that stuff on. Uh, It just, it it has worked really well. And I've been able to it helps identify things that need change. It helps identify why things are working the way they are. Uh, So take it upon yourself. Seek out the written guidance and then read it. Huh. That's that's my bit of quote unquote fresh advice. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I would like to at some point tackle the other part of that question, maybe yeah. in its own separate episode, because there is a lot in that that second piece of you know telling your boss that you're a career person and you're going to stay in for twenty, and how that can blow up in your face, or how that can you know that is absolutely critical. That's a very very personal, very difficult kind of question, but um, that's a very insightful kind of question too. I think we do ourselves a disservice by trying to write down like the the five easy steps to becoming a general officer or the, you know, three ways to make everybody at work love you. Like Bernadette was saying, there's shades of gray. I hate gray though. I think it was really good advice to to encourage somebody to look beyond um, just the two big bullets and look for new approaches to understanding your position and your role in your organization. So yeah, no, it was a, it was a very deep question, and that second half of it about you know telling your boss 
hey, I'm standing for 20. Otherwise, you're at the bottom. That's that's one we're going to have to tackle later. I didn't address that today because it was deep. And I don't, I didn't, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the capacity to do a good job with that. And I don't want to just make well, stuff up on the spot. So, and to be fair, you and I are not at 20. We have not come out the other end. And so it's, we still haven't made the pudding. Uh, we have definitely picked our approaches to what we're going to tell our bosses. Um, but we do not yet know what all the effects of our own individual approaches will be on that idea of getting to 20. Uh, although, you know, for my own part, I know what effect my decision to tell a boss that I was separating, I know exactly <laughs> what effect that had on my short-term career options. I just don't know if it necessarily closed all the doors for my long-term career options. And so, you know, I, to be fair, I don't know how well you and I can answer that from a 20-year perspective. True. True. But we, yeah, we'll try to unpack that second piece there. Some other time. Not this time. <laughs> yeah. All right. So wrapping up, we don't, uh, we don't have any uh, tales from the front or listener feedback. If there's got to be some like really to, good tales from the front out there right now. We know there's got to be now. We know there's got to be now. So if you'd like to to add something, if you have a leadership story to share, uh, or feedback for us, a question for Ask Us Anything, um, and yeah, and especially tales from the front, something that's going on in the midst of this coronavirus stuff, whether it's in your unit or actually out in the quote-unquote front lines where you're working in the medical career field or some of the Oof, other first yeah. responders. Yeah. By all means, we'd love to hear it, um, and uh, please, please send it in. If you have any pro tips that you'd like to share, we'd like to hear them. Uh, we know those for ourselves too, <laughs> and so yes. you can email us at uh, bellusadbellum at gmail dot com, or you can message our Facebook page, our Bellus Ad Bellum profile account. So we'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, right, stay classy, San Francisco. Is that how we sign off? <laughs> no, that's not how we no. sign off. What is it, Jules? We don't remember. We don't remember how we sign off. I, I don't do. remember. Oh. I do. In the meantime, Bella's led us to the battle. To the battle. That's it. That's it. It's been too long. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Bella Said Bellum podcast. You can find notes or resources related to this topic on our social media community. Check us out, like, follow, or subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bellus at Bellum. Join us for our next episode, and in the meantime, let us to the battle. We take great care to seek out subject matter experts who are knowledgeable and experienced in their fields to be guests. However, everyone's military experience is unique, and the views of our guests and our hosts do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, view, or policy. Content is provided for informational purposes only, and we make no claim as representation of official sources.